0: Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. We thank, uh, thank you for being here today. The committee will consider two nominees, the Honorable Michelle Bond to be Assistant Secretary of State of Consular Affairs, and Dr. Sarah Mendelson to be the representative of the United States on the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations with the rank of ambassador, as well as to be the alter- alternate representative of the U.S. to the General Assembly of the U.N. The Assistant Secretary for State for Consular Affairs is responsible for issuing passports to Americans looking to travel abroad, issuing visas to people around the world trying to immigrate or to visit the United States, and assisting American citizens abroad in emergency and non-emergency situations. These duties also include the facilitation of international adoptions, and uh, we certainly are very interested in that and thank you for your work uh, relative to that in the past. Ambassador Bond is an accomplished consular officer and currently the Acting Assistant Secretary. I look forward to hearing her views on how to improve the passport and visa issuance processes and better serve Americans abroad. I appreciate Ambassador Bond's efforts regarding the suspension of exit permits in the DRC, especially with her visit this spring to press the Congolese to issue permits to U.S. citizens who have adopted children here. and. One of our staffers, uh, Sarah Downs, has spent inordinate amounts of time traveling there herself. And Again, we thank you for your efforts on behalf of so many people. I look forward to hearing about the Bureau's strategy to work to solve this issue as the DRC government reviews and approves adoption cases and embarks on implementing adoption reform legislation. The U.S. Representative to the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, it's its a mouthful. ECOSOC represents the United States on intergovernmental bodies which oversee the UN's work on economic, social, and human rights issues and the UN's field operation in the areas of development, post-conflict peace building, and humanitarian assistance. The Council's functions and powers include initiating studies and reports on human welfare and the quality of life which drives action at the UN General Assembly. Modern slavery is, is inflicted on as many as 27 million men, women, and children around the globe, Uh, Senator Card, myself and others have passed unanimously out of this committee a bill that we think can have transformative effect on this issue if we can all make it happen in the appropriate way. So we obviously are very interested in your nomination. It's obviously a very important issue. I look forward to hearing and learning more how you will address this in your new role if confirmed. Lastly, with the UN General Assembly voting on the Sustainable Development Goals in September, the United States will require strong representation. Uh, I hope you can provide some insights into how the process will affect US interest. Uh, Thank you for being here. I know you're gonna introduce your families in just a moment, we welcome them. And uh, with that, I'll turn it over to our ranking uh, member.
1: Well, let, let me thank Senator Corker for arranging uh, this hearing on two very important uh, nominations. And uh, I thank you very much for accommodating. This hearing It's a very busy time for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, but one of our principal responsibilities is to timely consider President Obama's nominees. So thank you very much for scheduling these hearings. And Mr. Chairman, I, I want to welcome uh, two nominees that I have adopted and represent in the United States Senate, along with Senator Mikulski. For you see, they're from the District of Columbia. And we have not seen fit to give them full representation here in the United States Congress. So Senator Mikulski and I, recognizing that the district is former Maryland land, we have adopted the residents. So I, me, I actually and, think that is the resolution
0: to the issue. Is we need to become a
1: part of Maryland. <laughs> well, done with it, one so. of the problems that we'll talk about is adoption. So maybe okay. this is an issue that we will be able to to, to, to take up. So welcome to um, to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I, I thank both of you for your uh, public service and your willingness to serve our country in a, two very important positions during a very trying time. And I thank your family because this truly is a, a, a family sacrifice and uh, I know at least in one case it's been a family effort where we both uh, serve uh, in Foreign Service. So uh, thank you both and thank your families for what you're doing. The, the mission of Bureau of Consular Affairs is to protect the lives and interests of American citizens abroad. And we thank you for that. There's a lot of challenges there. Uh, foreign service officers perform uh, incredible service uh, to to our country. Uh, they deal with Americans who have trouble abroad, and that can become a major uh, problem for uh, foreign service officers. They deal with foreign-sourced uh, adoptions, which is an area that Senator Corker raised that uh, we are very concerned about. Some heart-rendering uh, challenges have been imposed uh, to, to prevent uh, the completion of adoptions. And the visa processing systems, Chairman, I was just uh, last week in Havana uh, meeting with our foreign, foreign Service officers as they were handling applications. I must tell you, that is an incredible uh, chore, and, and they're undermanned uh, from the point of view of the resources that they have. Uh, and there's a lot of pressure that they get everything right, and uh, I thank them very much for their, for the, for their service. Uh, in regards to hostage situations, I just want to mention that because President Obama came out last week with a comprehensive rewrite of how we're going to handle circumstances such as the, uh, uh, the Weinstein situation we had in Maryland where a foreign service officer, was uh, a USAID worker, was uh, kidnapped and ultimately he lost his life. Uh, the administration is reorganizing that. I've introduced legislation along with Senator Cornyn so that we have a single point person in order to deal with it and I'm hopeful that we can adopt the the administration's proposal but improve it with a single point of contact person that we can hold uh, accountable for coordinating all activities but also gives the family an opportunity to have a single point contact which was very Uh, much missing in the Weinstein case. So we might want to talk about that also during the nomination uh, confirmation process. Uh, It's also a pleasure to welcome Ms. Mendelson to today's hearing, uh, the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Economic and Social Council, plays an important role in the multilateral diplomacy to advance uh, the U.S. interests in strengthening human rights. Uh, sustainable development and effective uh, humanitarian assistance. I particularly want to focus on the Millennium Development Goals because that is very timely right now. And I've had a chance to meet with Helen Clark at the United Nations. I also represent uh, the United States Senate along with Senator Johnson at the UN as part of our mission. Uh, And I must tell you, I was encouraged and disappointed. The Millennium Development Goals have been incredibly successful, saved millions of lives. Uh, it, 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 it has produced a worldwide effort to use all resources including uh, non-governmental resources to achieve sust- demonstrable progress on saving young people, babies, uh, helping women, etc. So the next Millennium Development Goals I hope would get the same serious attention. Instead, I saw a list, I think it were 17 proposed goals, which is too many. I agree, there's too many. Uh, But the number 16 one is the one I think should probably be number one, and I'm concerned it's getting lost in in, in the shuffle, and that is the concern about corruption and good governance, uh, which is so corrosive globally and so responsible for so many of the problems that we face. So I would hope that I'll get a commitment here to make sure that we fight hard uh, to make that part of the uh, the Millennium Development Goals and that we elevate its importance and uh, our efforts to try to deal w- with that issue. There are many other issues I could talk about. Will mention one other that concerns me. That's the United Nations Family Planning Association. I say that because the Senate Republican appropriators this week prohibited funding to the United Nations Family Planning Association. I mention that because that's a source of funding right now for what we do in Syria. In Jordan, uh, that provide uh, normal childbirth delivery services to refugee camps that I'm concerned could be cut off, uh, that could affect the safety and lives of many uh, 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 maternal cases. And I would hope that we would find a strategy to make sure that that type of vital link to child safety uh, is maintained. And I would welcome Dr. Mendelson's comments uh, on this issue and many others. Mr. Chairman, I look forward to our discussion. Thank you, Senator,
0: Senator Cardin. I appreciate the way that uh, we're able to work together and make things happen, and certainly um, coordinating this meeting is much appreciated, so thank you. Uh, we'll now turn to our nominees, the Honorable Michelle Bond and Dr. Sarah Mendelssohn. Our first nominee is Michelle Bond, a career member of the Senior Foreign Service class of Minister Counselor with nearly 40 years of experience. She currently serves as Acting Assistant Secretary for Consular Affairs. Ambassador Bond has served in a range of posts at home and abroad, including Ambassador to Lasso, Lasso Two from 2010 to 2012. Her second nominee is Sarah Mendelson, currently serves as Senior Advisor and Director of Human Rights Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Prior to joining the CSIS, Dr. Mendelson was Deputy Assistant Administrator for the Bureau of Democracy, Conflict, and Humanitarian Assistance at USAID. We want to thank you very much for being here uh, and sharing your thoughts. Your full statements will be entered into the record uh, without objection. And if you would, uh, just uh, give us about a five-minute introduction. We'll ask a few questions. I know you want to introduce your families, but thank you for being here, and we'll start with uh, Ambassador Bond.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Cardin, and distinguished members of the Foreign Relations Committee. It is the honor of a lifetime to be here with you this morning. I am grateful to the President and Secretary Kerry for the confidence and trust they placed in me by selecting me for this position. I'm proud to introduce three of our four children, Robert, Elizabeth, and Lillian Bond. My family is the center of my life, I could not have been successful without their love and support. My family is also one of dedicated public servants, and that is why my husband and our younger son cannot be with us today. My husband, Ambassador Clifford Bond, is a retired Foreign Service officer currently working at the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv, Ukraine, coordinating USA to Ukraine. Our son Matthew is a Peace Corps volunteer teaching English in Indonesia. My mother, was the earliest and most influential inspiration for my life and for my career. She worked for the Department of State in post-war Stockholm when she was only 21, and years later at NATO and in Washington. She introduced me to public service. Through her, I met smart, dedicated foreign service officers and began to understand how diplomacy affects the lives of individuals and benefits our country. I began working at State as a college student during summer breaks, and served on my first crisis task force in 1974, the invasion of Cyprus. Our resources were rudimentary compared to what we have now, but the issues would be familiar to any of my colleagues today. Desperate families called seeking information about loved ones in Cyprus and Greece. We scribbled details and contact information on three by five cards. It is an extraordinary honor to lead a bureau that has the same dedication and focus today that I first experienced more than 40 years ago. Fortunately, we now have far more sophisticated tools, thanks in part to Congress's recognition of the vital importance of our work. The services we provide matter deeply and personally to our customers, your constituents. At its heart, Consular Affairs is about service. We provide assistance in small emergencies, like lost passports, and large ones, such as natural disasters. We are keenly aware that what we do is never routine for the people we serve. Given tens of thousands of daily opportunities to assist our customers, we are committed to meeting the highest standards of transparency, efficiency and professionalism creating lasting positive impressions of the United States and its government. This week I was named the recipient of the 2015 Thomas Jefferson Award by American Citizens Abroad. I am honored and humbled by this award, which recognizes commitment to the Department of State's highest priority, the protection of American citizens overseas. I'm proud too of the values it represents, openness, listening and responding to the needs of our citizens and meeting those needs with friendly, professional efficiency, values I pledge to uphold should I be confirmed. Adoption, as you mentioned, Senator, is one of the most personal and sensitive issues in which we become involved and it is one that matters to me deeply and has been a focus of my work for many years. My grandmother and her sister were adopted I've worked on adoptions from behind the interview window, overseas, and at the policy table in Washington. I carry with me the stories of the families and children I have met. They inspire in me an abiding passion to bring greater transparency and accountability to intercountry adoptions. I'm proud to have contributed to the United States' leading role on the Hague Adoption Convention. And if confirmed. I will intensify our efforts to make intercountry adoption a real option for vulnerable children everywhere who need a family. Through careful adjudication of U.S. passport and visa applications, consular officers strengthen border security while facilitating legitimate travel that promotes economic growth, generates jobs across the country, and fosters goodwill and understanding about the United States across the world. If confirmed, I will ensure we continue to provide secure, efficient passport and visa services to protect our nation, grow our economy, and unite families. In Consular Affairs, we are one team with one mission, but of course we do not work alone. I am committed to a whole-of-government approach to serving our citizens. I take tremendous pride in leading a dedicated, talented team of over 13,000 professionals working in nearly 300 offices around the world. We come from all walks of life and all corners of our nation. We proudly include hundreds of veterans and my team works hard to ensure that we are a diverse one. We work closely with Congress on every issue in our portfolio. We engage with your staff daily on issues that impact your constituents and their communities. If confirmed, I will sustain and build on Consular Affairs' reputation as a model for cooperative, productive relations with Congress. Thank you for your attention. I look forward to your questions.
0: Dr.
3: Mendelssohn. Chairman Corker, Ranking Member Cardin, distinguished members, thank you for the opportunity to, to appear before you as President Obama's nominee to be the United States Representative to the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. I am grateful to President Obama, Secretary Kerry, and Ambassador Power for this opportunity and for their confidence in me. I'd like to acknowledge my husband, John Harvey, who is here with me today and whose own career has been defined by public service and the safeguarding of U.S. national security interests. I depend every day on his love and support. I also want to acknowledge my family and friends watching from many different parts of the globe. As a first generation American, it is truly an honor and privilege to be here. In my office, I have a photograph of the shtetl in Lithuania where my father was born, which serves as a reminder of how far and how fast my family's journey has been. Virtually my entire professional career has focused on advocating for democracy and human rights internationally. This work is not easy, nor does it bring quick results. I keep close a copy of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights In a world filled with cynicism, it's an important reminder of the United Nations' potential. I know firsthand about the United Nations' imperfections, while at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, my intellectual home for many years, I investigated the trafficking of women and girls in and around peacekeeping missions in Bosnia and Kosovo. But this work also brought me into contact with brave UN officers dedicated to advancing gender equality and human rights. I've seen firsthand that when the United Nations works best, we can effectively work with partners to promote our interests and values. During the four years I served at USAID in the Bureau for Democracy, Conflict, and Humanitarian Assistance, my colleagues and I responded to multiple level three humanitarian assistance crises. I was exposed on a daily basis to the development, human rights, humanitarian assistance, peace building, and democracy promotion challenges confronting various U.N. agencies, nearly all of which depends on vital U.S. leadership and support. My service in government also coincided with the expansion of the digital era. From Brazil to Indonesia, from Mexico to South Africa, the spread of affordable information and communication technologies has helped to expose corruption and driven demand for governments to be more transparent and accountable to their citizens. Initiatives such as the Open Government Partnership, launched by President Obama and seven other heads of state at the UN in 2011, reflect this growing international movement of civic-based activism. This digital era has been met also with a backlash, a closing of public space around civil society where governments are threatened by the increased empowerment of citizens. There are many dimensions to closing space, including onerous requirements on non-governmental organizations, the targeting of journalists, national legal measures targeting the LGBT community, the rise of anti-Semitism, and targeting of religious minorities and the murder of activists dedicated to exposing abuse. I know from my travels around Africa, Asia, Europe, Eurasia, and Latin America, just how much members of vulnerable and marginalized populations look to the United States and the United Nations for leadership in pushing back such repression. If confirmed, I pledge to work with UN agencies and like-minded member states to mobilize support for and address this issue and give voice to those who have been silenced. If confirmed, I will also continue the work I've begun over 15 years ago on human trafficking, elevating the need to combat modern slavery as a vital 21st century development challenge. The global movement has made great strides, yet as this committee has recognized under chairman's leadership. There is more work to be done to strengthen international efforts to address human trafficking. The U.S. role, as this committee has also noted, is critical. The United Nations has an important role to play as a platform to expand and broaden constituencies engaged in ending slavery. If confirmed, I will work with the leadership of U.N. agencies in New York to combat human trafficking and support smart investments that lead to sound development outcomes and elevate the focus on women and girls. I will work with colleagues across the UN system to deliver assistance to those experiencing food insecurity and displacement, and join others in the quest for greater resilience in the face of disaster. As the world finalizes its commitment for the post-2015 development agenda, I will work with the leadership of UN agencies, funds, programs, and member states for meaningful implementation of the goals. We must never forget that inclusion, sound governance, sustainable environmental practice and respect for human rights are the essential foundations for achieving and sustaining development. And finally, across the full spectrum of the issues and activities in my portfolio, I will contribute actively to this administration's fight against the disproportionate bias that remains persistent in the UN system targeting Israel. If confirmed, I would be honored to join the administration's commitment and efforts to make the United Nations live up to its potential and further American values and ideals Working with this committee and others in the administration, I would do my utmost to help the U.N. address humanitarian challenges and meet opportunities to make the world more secure. Thank you. I look forward to answering your questions.
0: Thank you both very much, and uh, we'll now have five minutes of questioning by each of the senators who wish to do so. Uh, Ambassador Bond, a number of American families adopting Congolese children are stuck in the DRC exit permit uh, suspension. I know you're very aware of that. Yesterday there was an announcement uh, uh, where numbers of cases were going to be approved. They're waiting on authorization by President Kabila, I guess, at this moment. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think the best strategy will be for you to, to deal with this issue with the DRC and getting adopted uh, children out of the country. Thank you for that question,
2: Senator. Thank you for that question, Senator. Um, As you may know, I visited Kinshasa in March and had an opportunity to meet with several of the waiting families who have actually moved to the DRC in order to live with their children while they wait for action by those officials. But there are hundreds of other families who are not able to do that and are waiting in the United States to be able to bring their children home. While I was in Kinshasa, I met with a member of their parliament and with a number of senior officials in the government to press them to take action now on these cases. And I emphasized to them the fact that it is not a matter of indifference every single day that passes. is a cost, a real cost, and in some ways an, an irreparable one to the children who are losing ground because they're not in the families that, that are waiting for them, who have adopted them, and we give them the kind of love and support that every child needs. As you say, there was a meeting yesterday uh, between U.S. Embassy officials and the, uh, the head of the DRC Adoption Interministerial Commission and a member of the Minister of, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs was also there. They reported that the commission has approved a number of cases of children adopted by citizens of the United States and also families from Canada, France, Italy, and the Netherlands. They say that those have been reviewed by the commission and passed to President Kabila for his action. They suggested that a decision could come as early as next week and we are pressing that administration hard to make a decision on these children, the first tranche, but on every single case and to get those kiddos home to their families. It has been suggested by one of the members of the commission that they believe that having succeeded in creating this first tranche and moving those names and files to the President that they'll be able to move more quickly on subsequent cases. They've established their process now. And I I hope that's true, but we are indeed going to be pushing them to recognize that this is an urgent matter. This is something that needs to be done in in a matter of hours or days, not weeks and months.
0: Thank you. Dr. Mendelson, can you tell us a little bit about ECOSOC's role and Combating slavery and talk to us a little bit about how you plan to pursue this issue uh, when confirmed
3: uh, Thank you senator, um, and thank you for your leadership uh, on combating trafficking. It's it's widely appreciated in that of the committee um, ECOSOC is a broad portfolio uh, Trafficking is a global problem. We need a global platform to address it and I think ECOSOC uh presents an excellent opportunity uh, very specifically. We need, as you've widely recognized, we need every ambassador to be engaging on this issue. We need every mission to be thinking about this and being champions for this. Um, the SDG process, the Sustainable Development Goals process, actually provides an opportunity. There is a lot of language particularly focused around ending the trafficking of, of minors. Uh, and I think it I've seen how when countries commit to uh, the goals, assistance follows. And it's my expectation that, and I would be a champion if confirmed, to make sure that those commitments include a focus on combating child trafficking uh, and raising this issue, using the convening power to bring um, missions together and uh, leadership.
0: Can you are there some specific countries that you think would be best for us to work with? Um, I know you uh, l- name some of them. I know you can't name all of them, but obviously we want to put together a, a global effort. Uh, hopefully we have the beginning stages of that now. But what are some of the other countries around the world that you think care deeply about this issue, which would be who would be great partners for the United States?
3: We have very close relations with um, the United Kingdom, with many Nordic countries. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, those development agencies are not already committed to combating trafficking. Um, In my travels, in my my job at USAID, I met uh, with foreign officials many times urging that this be a focus, and there was some resistance. Uh, So I think there is work to be done. I think this platform will be, if confirmed, a wonderful opportunity to work with uh, missions. And again, through the commitment that is involved with the uh, sustainable development goals, I think you're going to find countries are going to turn to say, yes, we're going to commit to this, and and it'll come onto their their radar and come onto their agenda. So Sweden, uh, with whom we have very close cooperation, uh, would be a target. Other Scandinavian countries and certainly the U.K.
1: Well, thank you both. Senator Cardin. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Again, thank both of you for your service. Uh, Dr. Mendelson, uh, you mentioned the vital U.S. leadership and support. Uh, that was particularly true in trafficking in persons. The, uh, the TIP report uh, is the gold standard. Uh, I, have, I look at that before I meet with any uh, guests from other countries to see how they're doing. Uh, And the U.S. has really provided, I think, the international leadership to make a huge difference in trafficking. I want to see us do the same thing on corruption. And I was proud that in the State Department reauthorization that this committee took up, we started uh, to take steps to require the State Department to analyze the status of corruption in countries around the world. So I want to focus on the Millennium Development Goals just for one moment. If, if I had Ambassador Bond's husband and spouse here, I think he would tell us the problems in Ukraine uh, The uh, was not so much uh, the relationship with Russia and European Union. It was more about corruption. After the Orange Revolution, people were very optimistic, but then they got a corrupt government, and uh, that caused many of its problems. And if we look at the 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 deep problems in Russia today, the motivation there is more corruption than anything else. And I go through so many other countries around the world, so we have a chance with the Millennium Development Goals. And there is a commitment to deal with human rights and corruption, but it seems buried. Um, So I would like to get your commitment to be a fighter on this issue. You have a great tradition on human rights. This is our opportunity. So are you gonna be a fighter to make sure that we have this as as a visible uh, goal under the millennium development to to make sure that we can make some progress internationally on this corrosive human rights issue?
3: Thank you, Senator, uh, for the the focus on corruption. Um, I I very much share your uh, uh, sense of urgency on this issue. I think it is one that the human rights community in general um, is gradually beginning to spend more attention to. I note also that there is a, a large transparency and accountability community that doesn't always talk to the human rights community. Um, the, you mentioned Ukraine and, of course, the Dignity Revolution, the euromaidan was about uh, precisely demanding transparency and accountability. And, and I think that there's... Uh, very brave people today who are still working on these issues, I promise you that uh, in sustainable development goal number 16, um, that has good governance, sound governance and anti-corruption in it, um, it will be an enormous priority. It is something that I spoke to Ambassador Power about when we were talking about this possibility uh, and I know she shares the commitment, uh, so yes, I, I, I promise.
1: How about getting in the top five rather than number 16? I hope that you will work for that. Uh, Ambassador Bond, uh, people who want to come to the United States, spend money, learn about our way, advance U.S. goals, which are basically global values. We make it so tough. It costs a lot of money, It takes a lot of time. What vision do you have to make it easier for people who want to visit the United States to be able to get through the bureaucratic process of obtaining a visa?
2: Thank you, Senator. What a good question because that's one of our primary goals too. We have to screen visitors who are applying to come to the United States because we need to know who they are before we can give them permission to come. However, we also want to do everything we can to facilitate legitimate travel. We want to bring those travelers to the United States and we want to encourage them to come back again and again. So one of the things that we do is that uh, we we try to make sure and we have invested significant resources, people, training, uh, real estate, uh, into Uh, making sure that if someone notifies us that he's interested in getting a visa to the United States, we interview that person as quickly as possible at a date that's convenient for them. As you may know, in November, President Obama and the President of China jointly announced that they were going to extend the validity of visas uh, for tourists and business travelers from one year to ten. Since that, just in the months since November, we have seen a 53% increase in the number of new applications for visas to come to the United States. Millions of people are traveling to the United States. And because they'll have a 10-year visa, they can plan ahead. They can say, hey, next year is our anniversary, and let's plan to go to San Francisco. Next year is whatever. Five years from now is whatever. So we are doing everything we can to encourage travelers who have been vetted and examined so that we know that they're not a risk to the United States. We want them to come and we want them to see as much of the country as they can and spend their money.
1: Also, take a look at your computer system. It's broken down many times. Uh, it, you need to have a more reliable way to be able to handle this. If it's not working, a person may have traveled overnight to, to get to one of our locations, only to find they have to come back another day. It just makes no sense, and we have to provide better service. I want to do the screening. We have to do that, but we could do it in a more friendly way, and I just urge you to make that the highest priority. Last point, Mr. Chairman, just a comment. Thank you for mentioning your commitment for Israel. There's no question there's only one country that will stand up to the discriminatory actions that the international community and its international organizations has focused on Israel, and the United States must remain firm against those discriminatory actions taken in the international community. So thank you very much for mentioning that today.
4: Thank you. Senator, Senator Isaacson. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you very much for calling this hearing today. I know Secretary, UN Ambassador Power is very interested in Dr. Mendelssohn getting to New York as fast as he can, particularly with the UN se- session beginning this summer, so I hope we can move this forward, and I appreciate very much your willingness to call it. And I want to follow up on what Senator Cardin said, Dr. Mendelssohn. Your statement says, I will contribute actively to this administration's fight against the disproportionate bias that remains persistent in the UN system targeting Israel. And I want to thank you for including it both in your printed remarks as well as your verbal remarks today, because there are significant biases against Israel in the UN. And if we don't stand strong with our partner of Israel, we, have, we could have some big problems. In particular, I think it's U.S. policy, at least my recollection, it's our stated policy of this administration, that any recognition of a Palestinian state should be negotiated between the state of Israel and the state of Palestine, not determined by a third party. Is that correct?
3: Thank you, Senator, for raising this issue. Um, It is, again, a key issue that Ambassador Power and I discussed um, when this opportunity arose. Um, You are correct, and any, uh, I will, fight vigorously to oppose any uh, possibility that erodes uh, a two-state solution. Uh, I will fight for the inclusion uh, of Israel in various fora uh, and to normalize Israel's uh, status at the United Nations. Um, I will fight tirelessly to oppose the bias that you see across the system, including in one-sided biased resolutions.
4: Well, thank you very much for that commitment because it is absolutely necessary. And I know Samantha Power, Ambassador Power, feels exactly the same way. Um, Ms. Bond, you're going to be in charge of all passports, is that right? Yes, sir. I have a question for you. Every time I turn on the television or read anything about ISIL and about uh, lone wolves, I read about Americans going to Syria for training with ISIL or going into Iraq for training with ISIL. What is the State Department doing? And what role can the State Department have through passports, visas, and the like to track people that are doing that or to curtail the access to be able to do that for American citizens going to that part of the world for that purpose?
2: Sir, you've raised a very serious concern. Um, We recognize, fundamentally, the right of U.S. citizens to travel and uh, the, the importance of citizens who are interested in traveling abroad to be able to apply for a passport and get one quickly and efficiently. At the same time, we also are carefully vetting every application for a U.S. passport, first to make sure that that person qualifies, is that person and is a U.S. citizen. And uh, there are screens in place. We work very closely with law enforcement, with the intel community in order to be able to, uh, to identify travelers who may be planning to travel for uh, illegal purposes, travel for terrorism purposes. So there is a lot of coordination within the government to, uh, to track known or suspected terrorists, and whether they are foreigners applying for visas or Americans who are traveling abroad on passports, to uh, to make sure that, that we try to identify those people and try to interdict their travel if we can.
4: Well, I hope you're successful at accomplishing exactly that because it's a worris- worrisome fact that as many Americans as are expected or as we anticipate are trying to find their way to Syria and to ISIL to be trained and come back to be a threat to this country. So your role in that will be critically important to our country's security. And I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors as far as Assistant Secretary of State as I do with Dr. Mendelson at the U.N. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Thank you, Senator. Uh, Look, I cannot imagine having uh, two more highly qualified people for for these positions and uh, we thank you both for your willingness to serve in this capacity and your commitment to the kinds of issues you're going to be dealing with for a long time. So thank you for being here and having your families here. Uh, We'll make this as painless as possible. We're getting ready to adjourn. And uh, we hope uh, other members will ask questions. We'd hope uh, that those questions would be in by noon Monday, and then you would respond uh, promptly to those. But we thank you for being here. Uh, Again, we thank you for your commitment to these issues, to our country, and your willingness to serve in this capacity. Thank
4: you.
1: Thank you, sir.
0: Meeting's adjourned. Thank you.